Welcome back to the Understanding Men podcast, which is basically two guys talking about things that men could but don't speak about anywhere near enough. I'm Luke Sutton, and once again, I'm here with my great friend Fraser Franks. And thank you for joining us again for today's episode. And for today, we have a very special guest. Niall Wilson is a record-breaking gymnast. He made Olympic history in 2016 at the Rio Olympics when he won Team GB's first ever Olympic medal in the horizontal bar in which he won a bronze medal. He's also a five-times Commonwealth champion and, to add to his exploits, was the Dancing on Ice 2023 champion. He is also an enormously successful YouTuber with a total of over 381 million total views on YouTube and his reach across all social media platforms is immense. Off the back of that, he is a successful businessman now with Niall Wilson Gymnastics, which is a chain of gymnastics clubs across the country. And for full disclosure, I have been his manager for a number of years. I'm also his business partner and we are great friends. So this is not the first time that we've ever spoken. Niall, how are you? I'm great. What an intro. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really well. I'd say we're, it's, it's strange listening to that out loud, particularly with mine and yours relationship, Luke. We just speak most days and I've, I'll see you as more of a father figure in my life. And we've been through a hell of a lot together, but it was nice to to revisit and listen to you say all that, by the way. <laughs> the, the funny thing is the listeners now think that's the first time I said it. It was actually about the sixth take because I kept getting muddled <laughs> up. So anyway, I always wonder how I feel about that father figure thing. That's a real sign of my age, but I'm just going to roll with it. It's fine. The grey beard is uh, with fits with it. Yeah, it's fine. Well, Niall, welcome. Also, let me just quickly check in. Fraser, how are you today? I'm all good, thank you. Yeah, really pleased to be here. Pleased to to finally meet Niall because I've heard uh, an awful lot about him from you. But yeah, I'm good. I think we we check in usually because you probably don't know Niall, but I've just had open heart surgery about six weeks ago. So Luke keeps checking in with me to see how I am every week. But no, this is the best week I've had. I'm feeling good. I'm back driving, so I've got a bit of independence and I'm not getting buses and taxis with my mum anymore, so uh, that's quite nice. But no, I'm feeling really good and uh, awesome. yeah, really excited to, to speak to now. Fantastic. You too, likewise, by the way, Fraser. Lovely to meet you, man. So today's subject matter is around identity crisis. And you might wonder why we're talking to Niall about that. Well, the reason is, is because in 2019, Niall suffered a major neck injury. He actually broke his neck and, and ended up needing major surgery on it. And two years later, it forced him from retirement from elite gymnastics. And ever since that time, he's been extremely honest about the challenges that he's found in retirement, the, the lack of identity the challenges with his mental health and, and everything associated with it. So he seemed like a great person for us to base this whole conversation around. So now let's let's start with you taking the listeners back. Because for many people, when they look at your life from the outside and the level of success that you've had and the fact that it's so multifaceted, you know, it's you've, you've not just been a, a gymnast, they might wonder how on earth you've you you have ever had or felt some sort of identity crisis, but take us back to when that felt the worst for you. What it felt like? What what were the emotions? How did it manifest itself? Take us there. 
during the periods of of professional sport and you two will be able to connect with this, I think when you and and most go through this process, when you have a major injury, a, a serious injury, these sort of flip your world upside down. And, you know, I've had four surgeries, a disc replacement in my neck. So periods, extensive periods, not being able to perform my sport, but also being in extreme pain. I think those, those I guess, your first experiences where it's like, all I am or it's what feels like all I am is my sport. All I know is training all day, every day. All I know is, you know, the sole purpose of my life waking up is to just become the best gymnast in the world. And then when you when you break your neck or you, you have a surgery or you have to go through a six-month rehabilitation, that's when you're kind of like, oh, this is tough. You know, what is this? So I, I think... You know, through those periods in my career, I've I've experienced those feelings of like, what am I without without gymnastics? And I also I'm not myself, and I'm not happy if I can't perform and train my sport to the highest level. And then I guess you know, fast fast forward through that, and we can talk through those periods in more detail. But retiring, that's kind of the the ultimate. Right now, I'm deciding to move on to the next chapter of my life. And all I've known prior to that is being validated by performance. I'm a, I'm a champion. I'm a gold medalist. I mean, from my experience, lots of other things, I, I get tons of views and likes on social media. I, I earned, I can earn money from, from being an athlete. So all of these things up until the age of 25, it's like, yeah, I, I get this. So I, I, I find it really difficult and I think athletes do to adjust to that, you know, not being only being validated just for existing. And also all I've known is gymnastics. Now I've got to embark upon a journey of figuring out who the hell I am without it. And to be honest with you, I'm, I'm over, you know, it's two and a half pushing three years till I announced it to the world that I'm retiring. I, I, I feel maybe a little bit closer, but I still struggle every single day with this sort of thing. Like, trying to figure out who I am and what I want to do next with my life and what will fulfill me the most and what makes me the most happy. And um, yeah, it's a tough process. And, and do you agree? I think you guys have probably been there before with, you know, moving on from sport. Well, I was just going to say, Fraser, how did, does that, is that something you relate to? You know, you also had to come out of professional football with an injury, your heart condition. Is it, can you relate to what Niall said? I think he's literally just told my my story of the last four years. I'm I'm four I'm four years since I retired from football, and absolutely everything you've said there is how I felt and how I still do feel on a day to day. And I think, you know, I've looked into this and I do a lot of work with with young professional footballers about this and about identity and having that fixed identity into your sport. And you know, when I was a kid, I couldn't understand how other eight or nine year olds in the class didn't know what they wanted to be when they were older because I had a clear absolute hundred percent this is what I want to do and other people are still exploring and figure thing, figuring things out but you've got like a clear direction and I'm guessing you had that from an early age now and then when you so. excel at that and you become good at it people are interested in it because it is a really interesting thing to talk about you know a future Olympic star and how you're getting on you're probably winning medals and you know developing but when you then go to a family party or whatever it might be, I guarantee 99% of the questions are about gymnastics, which then brings that home a little bit more. And mm -hmm. I think how I felt, and I don't know if it's how you felt, but 
I was so wrapped up into being the footballer that if I performed well, I thought I was a good person. If I performed badly, I thought I was less of a person. I'd let everyone down and I couldn't separate Fraser from the footballer. Do you feel um, that was a similar case for you? 100%. 100%. It's difficult to, to shy away from, I think, when, when it's your life. You look like your self-esteem's wrapped up in results and, and performance. So like I say, and, and that, that's day-to-day in training as well. If I was training well and I was healthy and I was fit and I was I was on the right track and for competitions, I'd feel amazing. I'd be like happy as Larry and it'd feed into other things. Like my YouTube would be blooming, like I'd be creative. I'd just be like, yeah, life's good. When I get injured or I would... I would mess up in a competition or I feel you'd have a bad football game or then my, my world feels, you know, like it crumbles down straight in front of my eyes and I'm upset and sad. I don't know how to navigate my way through this. And yeah, I, I think me and Luke spoke about it tons and tons through the, through the period, particularly when I was going through my neck injury. I think the the mistake that I certainly do and I certainly did and maybe athletes do is this, this sort of define themselves by being an Olympic medalist or, you know, the, the outcome it's like, I'm only successful. I'm, I can only be happy if I'm a, if I'm a champion and I win, but actually like really thinking about it and taking a step back, it's what, what I'm in love with is the journey and process of trying to become the best version, well, the best gymnast, but the best version of myself. And of course, being fit, strong Mm. and healthy makes me feel good. But actually, I love going to the gym every day and and trying to learn these new tricks and, you know, prepare for a competition and, and push my limits physically and mentally. You know, I guess the the the, the outcomes are the icing on the case. And of course, I wanted to become an Olympic champion, but that's what I defined my whole being by. And if and if I didn't mm-hmm. become that, then I would just be a complete failure in life and I would hate myself for it. So... That's certainly the, something I got wrapped into. And you're right, I was at school. You're like, oh, are you going to go to the Olympics? It's like, I'm eight years old. How the hell do I know whether I'm going to go to the Olympics? But it's like, Niall, Niall's going to go to the Olympics. Oh, he's the gymnast. Niall's, the, Niall's this, Niall's that. And I think it just, it keeps affirming and I guess pressurising in some way, but just you have to do this and this is what your life's about, you know? The two scenarios that you described there, of one is winning an Olympic medal and the other one is enjoying the journey and process and enjoying training every day. The first one's got an expiry date. So that's got an end point. It's, you know, it's fine. It's going to end at some point where the second one doesn't, it doesn't have a a finish line in sight. And it's something that you can just gradually build towards every day. And I'm, I'm the same. I think that's where, that's where a lot of us as, as athletes and former athletes, we do. It's. I've seen a lot of people sacrifice absolutely everything to get to a certain point, but then life continues. At you know, you might not even be halfway through your life by the time you end your career. Then what do you do? And do you keep yeah. defining yourself as the ex cricket player, the ex football player, the ex like, or do you work and continue to grow and actually find out who you are as a person? Mm. And um, the question I was going to ask you is, we we mentioned it earlier, but that that word retirement. How does that sit with you? Because I've had mixed feelings around that being, I was 28 when I had to retire. It feels awkward for me to say because I associate it with being old and putting your feet up and coming to the end of your days where I was 28 and I'm saying to people that I've retired. I know it's from a sport, but 
I had a lot of confusion around that word and, you know, people would question me on it and stuff. And yeah, I just wondered if how you felt about that. That's a really good question. It's something, do you know what? It's something that I've never really um, deeped that much, but it can, analysing it now, it can it can feel quite comical and like you're almost a bit fraudulent, like to be honest, because I, I play a lot of golf as well and sometimes too much golf, as Luke, Luke will tell you, <laughs> and not enough work. But um, it's like I'm a 25-year-old playing playing golf four times a week and all these lads are just taking the piss out of me and laughing. It's just like, what is your life? But then sort of inside I'm like, yeah, actually, that it sounds glamorous, but it's not. And and maybe maybe that word should be changed, or we should use an alternative. Because obviously, you're not gonna you, at twenty eight and twenty five that that's not going to be the end of your being, and you're going to put your feet up on a beach just because that's that's not going to happen. And in, in our nature, we're going to keep working. And and I think I probably got a little bit of a different relationship to work. Because I guess I've never really been employed. I've never really had a job. And being an athlete, you're incredibly focused on your training. But it, it's a 24-hour gig. You know as much as anyone. Like it's, it's just as important outside the gym as it is in. You, you're always switched on. I never stop thinking about how I could improve. And I didn't party like my other friends did. And and this and that. So to, I don't know. I, I actually agree. I'm in agreement. I don't like the word. But I don't know what the what's the other word. I, I always try and I'm I'm trying to like metaphorically think of it as just my life's in chapters, and now I've just like closed one door and opened another, and I'm I'm on to the next chapter. But I, I don't think I'll ever retire. I'm sure you'll feel the same. Yeah, I, do you know what I find really interesting is, and you mentioned it early on, Niall, is is around injuries. In both your cases, injury led to retirement. But there were also been periods during your career where you were battling injuries for sure. And how much that crisis, that identity crisis for an athlete is linked to physical ability. So I know that sounds really obvious, but it's like I remember for you now, like, like when you, you were trying to come back and your shoulder was a lot of problems, you remember, and you, you had mm-hmm. all those stability issues with your shoulder. And it it was almost like there was part of you that had might sound a bit strong that it died it was it was like i'm not i'm not mm-hmm. the same person but whereas actually you are still the same person you just physically can't do the same thing but i think for athletes there's that connection between it's that the, them coming to you going you're going to go to the olympics so you're that brilliant footballer is kind of like you're a little bit superhuman you're a little bit superhuman and suddenly the, the day comes where you go I'm not superhuman anymore. And it's just a massive crash of realisation, mm-hmm. which never, no one can ever prepare you for. I don't know if that makes sense to you. Oh my gosh, 100%. And do you know what, mate? It's, it's still it's still today. I, I've just been lifting weights for an hour and a half with, with my friend Luke and the disabilities that, it, mainly from my neck, but that I guess I've got over the years, they, they're still there and I can still feel them and my nerve damage and... I can't lift as much weight on the right hand side and my body's wonky and I get pain in my neck and that whole process when it's completely out of your control where one day I'm a certain athlete and I'm capable of certain things. And gymnastics is so skill based and you know the things that we do is, is pretty ridiculous. But then to then the day after my body don't work like that anymore. It was so tough mentally to to come to peace with and and accept and and I guess retirement's 
difficult for every athlete and particularly the ones I speak to. There's there's that sort of group, particular maybe maybe sort of boxed in like me myself and Fraser, where it came to the end not because we were ready to stop and move on to the next chapter. It's because our body wouldn't let us, so it was sort of out of our control. If I'm honest with you, and, um, I would still be, I'd still be doing it because I I know how much and Luke knows this how much I love to perform and and be on that stage and compete. If my body allowed me to, I'd still be training for Paris. And there's, there's maybe not necessarily saying it's it's more difficult, but it's 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 tough. It's tough mentally, you know, when it's when it's completely out of your control. The interesting bit for this podcast is is obviously a lot of the people, the vast majority of people that are listening, will not not necessarily be come from a, an a elite athlete background, coming from work and more mainstream work, and whether this applies for people throughout their life, you know, when when they come to retirement or when they come to inverted commas midlife crisis, where essentially somebody is going, who the hell am I anymore, and and how that works, and I don't know what you guys think, but. Is there scope for this? We're talking about it from an athlete point of view, but for instance, a teacher coming to the to retirement and they have that same identity crisis. Do you think that exists for them as well? Yeah, and, and particularly young people, mate. You know, like when you when you're in that period of life where it's the school bit's finished, and then you've got to decide whether you do uni and then whether you get a job and like actually what job you get. I guess that you know I've been in and around that and and got lots and lots of friends that it's very, very common for a young person to not necessarily know what they want to do next. And in people with with tons of different jobs that maybe reach a certain point and go, maybe this is what I wasn't meant to do on this rock spinning round. It's like, I want to change and taste something else and try something else. And and I, I guess the, the extremeness of my perspective with it from being an athlete and what I always... I'd like saying this sentence out loud, I, I know this is not true, but the difficulty is, I guess, maybe the age, but then the experience that I've had over the last five years in particular have given me extreme highs, like extreme. I've performed in front of 30,000 people multiple times. And this is my ego coming out, but being a freaking legend, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm one and I'm like, yes, like I love that feeling. And then I guess that, that what I'd struggle is to, to come to terms with is this isn't true, but I don't ever think my life's going to be as good as that. Like I'm never, not that that's not true, but I'm never going to get those feelings again. Like I don't care how you bottle it up, maybe having children, maybe starting a family, it's all going to be, that might be even better for me. I'm, I don't know that I've not experienced it, but I'm not going to get to feel that again. So then it's like two ways of looking at it. That's incredibly sad and tough to, to accept. But, you know, the more and more conversations I had, it, I, I just try and um, lead it with gratitude. It's just I'm grateful that I actually got to have those feelings and experiences because not many people on this planet do and just accept, you know, what it's absolutely fine that I don't get that feeling again, you know. But I, I agree, if everyone, I'm sure most people will be a period of their life where it's like, I don't know what to do. I don't know who I am. Mm. I want to sort of share with you, my experience in retirement because it's different to you guys i don't know if fraser you and i have talked about this but for me retirement has been i've loved it i've loved retirement i i don't have any of the feelings that you're talking about at all now like there's no 
and it's different. I retired when I was older, you know, I was 36, something like that. I'd, you know, I definitely had a full career. And, and so I, I accept that as part of it. But I think the most overriding reason why I don't feel like that is because I didn't like the person I'd become by the end of my career. So retirement for me, it wasn't just about stopping playing cricket. It was about essentially saying goodbye to that person. And that person was really toxic. I was, my drinking was out of control. I was just, um, I was just falling apart. So it's really weird that people say to me, do you miss playing cricket? I don't miss at all. Zero. I'm not just saying it. It's because, and I wonder if it's because essentially I wanted to let go of that person. I wasn't in love with that person anymore. And that's made it easier for me. Whereas for you guys in the a peak of your sport and you're enjoying that time in your career it's, it's harder to let go when it feels good at that time phrase what do you think on that I'm, I'm sort of in between both of you i feel because i although mine came early i was at a point where i wasn't enjoying it at that at that time and i get that question asked a lot do you miss it do you miss the games do you miss i don't I, I genuinely don't think i do i miss some of the aspects of the simplicity of it maybe that this is where I was going every day. That was my routine. I basically worked out for a living. I went and performed and it was quite a simple regimented life. Coming away from that, there's a little bit more fear of not being employed and not having a contract for two or three years and having that safety. But I've also really found who I am. I didn't have a clue who I was as the footballer. And a bit like you, Luke, like I look back at some of my behavior and just even just some of like the changing room conversations that I get involved in and some of my views and the way that I thought about the world was just so different to how I feel now and although I, I had some real highs and you know one of my last games was probably one of my highest moments I really do remember how low it took me as well like I had some real bad bad lows that probably even outweighed the high times as well and it's important I remember that and I don't just glorify my career and go, oh, do you remember this day and that day? When I actually think about it, I had some really low lows as well as some high highs. But the point you make as well about, you know, people in more mainstream work and that may have a different career, but still identify with that career. That's what I'm trying to sort of figure out now. <laughs> it's weird, actually. I was doing this yesterday. Unlike my Instagram bio, I genuinely have no idea what to put. <laughs> and I used to put, professional footballer for blah de blah and now I'm like I, I found it really difficult when I stopped playing podcaster. football podcaster that's on there I found it really difficult to introduce myself to people you know when they say what do you do before it was I'm a footballer where now it's like I do kind of do a bit of this I do that and, and I haven't got like one thing that just comes out but also I want to be able to be flexible as well and I want to be able to change my mind. I want to be able to transition. I want to be able to do something that, you know, I'm 33 next month. I'm quite excited that in five years time, I have no idea what I'm going to be doing. It terrifies me at times, but it also excites me that I'm not going, right, this is me. I'm going to be this for the rest of my life. And just having that flexibility. And I think a lot of people get to that point where you talk about midlife, that may be in a job that they don't enjoy, that feel that they've got something more to offer, that you know, trying to find that purpose. But often we have a lot of fear attached to that. Of if I do go for that, what happens? I've got this to pay for. This is a bit more secure. And 
all those start sort of debates start coming in. But what I'm now trying to do is not label myself as I'm this or I'm that, or this is definitely what I'm going to do and trying to be a little bit more flexible around it. I connect with that so much, Fraser, by the way. The, um, it's the worst question in the world. What do you do? <laughs> I just, I'm like a rabbit in headlights. <laughs> what, what do you Especially, say? What do you say? I, I, I usually start with good question. <laughs> <laughs> Gosh, I, I don't know. I mean, ex, ex-gymnast probably. I, I've got a successful content business, create content on social media platforms, YouTube, Facebook, TikTok, Instagram. And now we're, we're trying to build one of the biggest gymnastics club businesses in the world. I guess that that'd be the answer, but the, you know I'm, I'm listening to there for us. It's the flexibility side of things. I, I am super grateful that, that I managed to during my career as an athlete up to the point give myself some freedom and space and like opportunities to be able to actually go. Actually, right, well, I, I can just try that. I'm, I'm able to just try that, and I've got things in place where financially I'm I'm doing okay. So. I often think about this when we talk about mental health in sport, but then also what the conversation we're having today about the crisis. There's so many in sport that dedicate the same energy that we did, but never quite get to the level. You know, they never, they never, well, I mean, in gymnastics as well, some do get to the level and retire and have to go back to university and get a job, but there's millions and millions and millions. And I'm thinking about some some of the lads that I used to train with that actually at 18, when they realised they probably weren't going to, you know, step into the boots and that I am and make the team, they stopped doing gymnastics. That period of time, I, I know friends and I, and I lost friends because they were toxic and drinking and, and struggled with addiction. And, you know, the, I, I guess it's, this conversation is about everybody, you know? Mm-hmm. They're really interesting thing, which is kind of ties into the question I want to ask you, Niall, is you're, without trying to embarrass you, a very unique personality in sport. You were in a niche sport and you created yourself a kind of industry within an industry with your content, which has allowed you, and it's not all about money, but it allowed you to earn more money than most of the gymnasts, you know, are, are any, anywhere near getting close to. Yeah. Which is fantastic. It's brilliant, isn't it? Everyone, we'd all agree that's great. But weirdly, within the within the context of this conversation, I don't know if it helped you. And I'm not saying it should be any other way, but it's yeah. like, say you finished doing gymnastics and you had no income, you'd just be like, right, I need to be a postman, you know, and you'd go off and you'd roll up your sleeves and you'd get on with it. And then you would do that. But because you stepped out of the sport and essentially just had yeah. loads of choices or you didn't, you can play golf. I, don't, I think it, it added to the vacuum. What do you think to that? Uh, maybe. No, I do, I do agree, Luke, yeah. I think sometimes freedom is scary. It's difficult to make decisions. I certainly learned a hell of a lot in terms of and things are about money, but I needed to earn lots of money and spend lots of money and make hell of a lot of mistakes with money to realise that this isn't the thing. You know, like most of us want to be wealthy and, and I'm, I still do, but... Mm. that's not going to scratch the itch you know like I can sort of operate now and and try things with the 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 forefront not necessarily being income and it being about the process similar to gymnastics really and I I feel like I had to really go through that process and I feel I've learned a hell of a lot more and sat here today but you're right I 
knowing what the right thing to do next and which foot to step forward maybe can be a little bit overwhelming when you've got too many options to choose from, you know? Mm-hmm. And I kind of miss that. Um, it's difficult to find that fire and, and drive and desire that I had when I had no money. Do you know, like when I was at, when not at rock bottom, obviously, but when I didn't earn any money and I was 17 and I'd not won any medals, like that Nile, the drive, the the work ethic, the fire he had, I find it now difficult to to find. And the, only when I find it is when the thing lights me on fire. And, you know, not quite up, up until this point, it, nothing's really done that to me like gymnastics did and like sports did. So I guess that's where I'm still in this this period of what's it going to be? You know, like, let's just keep trying things. And But when we match the two, when I, I find something that I, I love to do and it's like, yeah, that lights me on. That's when I, I become a, a workhorse like you and my sister and just work all day every day. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Well, actually, the, the, so the follow-up, which I want to I wanna ask you both, and we're talking about sport, but this I think can apply to anything, right? If you want to achieve great results in something in life, I think we'd all agree you have to be all in, don't you? You can't be, you have to be consumed with what you're trying to do like you were in football and like you were in gymnastics, is it possible to do that and then not have some sort of identity crisis at some period in time? Is that the cost of being all in? Fraser? <laughs> I was hoping he was going to go to Nile first. <laughs> I wrestle with... Nile if you want. <laughs> no. I wrestle with this quite a bit because I see... I see a lot of people go all in on a sport or a profession and it often leads to going all in in terms of another unhealthy behaviour that might come with it as well. I was always told and people say, you know, you've got to have a backup plan in case you don't make it, in case this, in case that. I think it wasn't necessarily a backup plan. I think you just have to explore as much as you possibly can because that sporting career is going to come to an end at some point, whether it's at 36 like you, 28, 25. So I think just exploring. But I I believe you have to go all in, but I believe you can also chip away and start to separate those identities and start to figure out who you are as a person as well as an athlete and having a bit of distance between the two. I think if you do go absolutely all in, I am the footballer when it does come to an end or I'm the gymnast, the cricketer. When it does come to an end, I think I went all in into drinking because I couldn't deal with the uncomfortableness of what was coming next and the uncertainty. Whether I'd have dealt with that slightly better if I'd have understood myself a bit more, I probably would have done. I do believe a lot of people go absolutely all in and it comes at a cost. And sometimes I think, is that cost worth the career? Because I see so many, especially in professional football, so many people have unbelievably successful careers, but they're an absolute mess when they come out of it. And it's like, is that worth it? Is it worth having 10, 15 years of of absolute high achievement, winning things, but for the rest of your life, you're going to be you know, unhappy and unfulfilled and miserable and... You know, you're going to gamble and drink and all this kind of stuff because you can't deal with it. 
I definitely think there's there's room to explore whilst you know still being pretty all in. But it's a tough one. It really is because I I contradict myself and flip back and forth. But I feel like I had to go all in, but I wish I'd have done more to understand myself a lot more as well. So I sort of have different views in in the sense of I believe you have to go all in, like the same. It's it's like and whether there's better way for someone to navigate that, particularly as a sportsman or a woman, it's quite lonely. That that particular that profession is. It's, it's you, it's so you and it's like so on your performance and maybe more so for someone like a gymnast who competes as an individual and it's the spotlight, you're not on a in a team environment where you, you're bouncing like this, this. Although you're around people, the people you're around don't te- really know, apart from your teammates, what you're going through. And from my experience, the ones who were the best in the world were the people like myself and you, Fraser, and you, Luke, who went all in. No, I'm not. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> Definitely not the best maybe, in the world. Maybe you, maybe you know. Just saw the, you just saw the cricket fans out there that I pulled the life out of. No, I, you know. <laughs> but that trait, that trait they have, and also, like, I, I've now come to learn that that's not a bad thing. That is 100% me, and I'm I've been an addict. I've, I've struggled with gambling and drinking and partying and gaming and whatever the hell will distract me from my real feelings but that's okay I tried to find balance the whole time and I was told you have to find balance and it's just nonsense because that's not how I operate and unfortunately I have had people like yourself Luke in my life through my early 20s to help me learn about this and learn more about myself because I would have probably ended up in much lower places and scarier places if I if I didn't have someone like Luke to I don't want this to embarrass you but just help me understand that and speak my language and go this this is all right and now you've got to own it now like so you know you're like this but you can't only be like it when you want to be the best gymnast but when you're drinking you be a victim and go well I will I don't know what I'm doing this isn't my fault mm. it's like no like I went out the weekend you know like I went out till seven in the morning because I'm not proud to say it, but like once we're on the train, I know where it's, I know where it leads to. But then when we wake up the next day, it's got to be like, now take responsibility. I own this, and you're not going to spend the next day in your pity party, depressed, whinging about it. You, you, you take the next steps forwards, and and you you keep moving forward. So, but in answer to your question, I, it's probably yes, Luke. To be honest, it's probably yes. It, it, it's. Mm-hmm. It's the same way as like if the same obsession was with something bad, eventually that's going to lead to a point where you're going to want to stop that. You know, like you always say, you, mm. you're going to, no one really stops it anything until they've had enough pain with it. And that's re- relating that to drinking or gambling, for example. And I stopped gambling because it, it was ruining my life. So I guess if the obsessions with sport or with business or with whatever it is, it may run into some unhealthy periods where you probably have a crisis and go, and and if if it has to stop, you probably don't know who you are fully without that, maybe. You see, I, w- I wonder whether I'm actually not just about to give my own book a plug, but I do have a new book out at the moment, um, which talks about, which let's is, go. yeah, let's go, available on Amazon and all good bookstores, <laughs> yeah. which, you Great know, plug. yeah, talks yeah. very much about this. And and I I think it's really interesting because cause I'm going to ask another question of you now here. If someone had told you 
maybe not at eight years old when you're super young, but if someone had told you, say when you were 12, right, when you're just sort of preteen, you know, getting quite emotionally mature. Right now, you're looking good to be an Olympic gymnast here. Really good. Everything's in, everything's in place. You're good. I just want to let you know now that there's going to be a few problems at the end of this. Would you change anything? No, hundred percent not. And and I think um, everybody's got to live their their story. And and no matter what anyone could have said to me along the way, particularly is in those fundamental development stages, it, it probably wasn't going to change who I am. And like people molded me, and my coaches had a real impact on my development. But I was clearly obsessive and addictive, and. You could tell all the signs. My parents could tell you all the signs that I was showing as a, ba- a baby, even and as a toddler. Like, but they, I wouldn't change any of it. And and I think part of that is maybe I'm still at a crossroads in life, or having a period where I've not quite found that fulfilling process like sport. But all the highs and lows, and the ups and downs, and the the battles just make you a stronger person every time and I guess teach you a lot more about yourself and all those experiences I've had like I can meet a 27 year old today and they're just they've not been there they wouldn't think on that that level and and that deeper level and intellectual level and have had experiences of themselves where they truly know who they are and have the self-awareness and yeah I wouldn't I would I don't regret anything and I won't change it would you have the same answer as now, Luke, if someone had said it to you? You're not allowed to ask me my own questions, Fraser. That's, that's, uh, I thought we had this rule. Do you know what? I, I wouldn't change a thing. And bearing in mind, you know, my, my journey was my life completely falling apart, essentially, by, by the persona that I created for myself to survive in professional sport. That's the weirdest thing. It was a survival mechanism and it, it sort of ate me up and spat me out the other end and... I wouldn't change a thing because I, I identify so much with what Niall says. It's it's also part of who you are. We're talking of it being a choice. I don't think like when Niall was that eight-year-old kid, we were all eight-year-old kids doing our sports. We were just highly competitive, a lot of energy to put somewhere, very focused. I don't know whether that's necessarily a choice and or that's just who you are and you're you're on this path. But there's a hidden cost with it. And I, and I think what's really interesting is for Olympians particularly, that is more than anything. For football, cricket, you play a certain number of games per year and play season on season on season. You know, you're lucky enough to play for 10, 15 years. You play a lot of games. For an Olympian, they get one shot at it every four years. And the slightest mistake means they might might get another shot at it in another four years. I mean, that is fucking mental, by the way, just mm. as a, like a psychological torture. So you're like Niall, that eight-year-old kid, gearing yourself up for this huge moment. And then what is life going to be like after it? It's It's got to be some sort of crash, isn't it? You know, in Niall's yeah. case, he, he made a, made Olympic history. But even just going to the Olympics, it's essentially you've been driving for this one thing and it's had to consume you. And it almost feels like what has to come at the end of it, and maybe I'm oversimplifying it, has to be an identity crisis. 100%. I remember you, I used to like um, 
look at the sell-by dates on food and it'd say, like, the Olympics was in August 2016 and it'd say it goes out of date in January 2017 and I couldn't even compute that that day even existed. Do you know what I mean? Like, that's that, that's like the afterlife because because you can't, you can't ever think, of, comprehend anything other than mm. this event, like the Olympic Games. Do you know what I mean? And that my whole life and teenage years since I was a kid at primary school and they were talking about me going, it's just been about this event. And um, I mean, gymnastics is a unique one as well because I guess it's not just running as fast as you can. I had to swing around a bar and do 10 crazy freaking skills <laughs> and not fall off <laughs> and with millimetres of, I guess, pressure. But yeah, I, I and, and there was a crash and it was pretty quick, by the way. It wasn't like, I, I could maybe sense that I was running away from that with, with partying. And then now that I'm a, like sort of allowed to party, because it's like I've I've gone there and I've won and I've achieved a lifetime dream. Like I maybe got lost in going out three or four times a week and I was single at the time and I was then famous at the time. And that was, I felt it as soon as I got home, but maybe after three or four weeks of doing that, I certainly, and you can imagine how, terrible I felt and then it was like right mm-hmm. you need to get back in the gym now and then all of a sudden and as an athlete as well you you it's always what's next it's difficult to to sit and appreciate what you've just done and be pro- you're super proud but celebrate it and be present with it it's like nah Niall you've got a comp in November come on back in gym it's like right okay yes Olympics is a very, very, very strange existence, particularly for for I was twenty years old as well, you know. And there's a, and a, there's a lot of young young athletes going there with sort of people like myself and Michael Phelps talking about all of this. But I don't think I think it's unavoidable. Do you agree? Like it's I think that's just completely unavoidable that that crash. Well, I tend to think so. But Fraser, I was going to ask you. You obviously do a lot of talking to current players not just in football cricket rugby and you're you're involved in in their well-being discussions where do you take that discussion as in I'm trying to not sort of oversimplify it but do we ask people to and it's not just sport it could be being uh, whatever profession it is you, you need to throw yourself at this to be the very best that's what's required that's it I think you've got to do this you mm. can't be half in half out Oh, and by the way, you need a backup plan. <laughs> you need to just remember that this isn't real life. This is like, you know, there's life after this. And, you know, you are a person underneath that and you can't be too results driven and et cetera, et cetera. Is that just a completely impossible thing to throw at a young person? It's hard. It's hard because if I, if I look at my own journey, I, out of a youth team of, of 20 players, I was the only one that got a professional contract and I know that I was absolutely obsessed to a level that other players that were probably more talented than I was didn't have that same level of obsession that I had. I'd go home, I'd think about football all night, I had no social life, they were all off at parties and girlfriends and I had none of it. I was I was all into the sport. we go out to... Nando's and stuff and they're all having chips and cokes and I would bring a bottle of water and I'd be really watching what I was eating I wasn't drinking and I feel like 
that propelled me to another level, but it also brought with it some issues along the way that were that were probably always going to pop up. But when I'm talking now, I do like, it's a difficult balance because you know that a group that you're talking to, say for instance, 20 lads that are under 18, you know that you're probably talking to the 19 that, that aren't going to get to that level. And if we, that's, that's where the difficulty is because there's one kid in there that probably is going to go all in and become a, a professional footballer. But the other 19, like you said, Niall, about the lads that you grew up with, they're, they're putting in the same hours, they're going there, you know, three, four times a week, then they're becoming full-time, massive commitment for their parents, they they want it. But ultimately, the sport in the way it is, and any team sport or individual sport, there's only a fine amount of people that can make it to that level, and the rest will fall away. So you're trying to look at the welfare and help those that are falling away, but also just trying to talk to that one or two because of the experiences, and I'm obviously still learning this as well, but the experiences of talking to people like you and Niall and other people, just to keep an eye on that that young player that's going through it and to make sure, and I think what you've touched on there now, is having someone that you can talk to completely openly without judgment, that it's safe, you can let that barrier down, you can talk about things that you're going through. It's a big reason why we're doing this podcast because... I didn't have that figure in my life when I was when I was going through. I felt I was all on my own and I know a lot of others feel that as well. And if they do say they're having a difficult time or they are worried about something, you'll get someone that doesn't really understand the profession and go, yeah, but come on, look how lucky you are. You're the one that made it through or, you know, you're anyone to do anything to be in your position and look at the money you're earning. And, and it's hard unless you've been in that position to sort of empathise with that. And I, I see that a lot with... Premier League footballers at that minute that will be going through a difficult time but it's like how do I complain about this because if I look at what's what else is going on in the world my problems are, are pretty small in comparison mm. so I think we can often feel like that but yeah when I'm when I'm talking to a group I'm I'm well aware that 99% of those players aren't going to quite make it but when it's a first team group you're then just trying to deal with coping mechanisms that might pop up in everyday life that they need to sit with and talk about and address rather than double down and avoid whether that's, as we've said, drinking, gambling, performance, analysis. I need to go all in even more and be more obsessed. Actually, there might be something going on here that we need to talk about. And I think that's the element that, you know, I'm really passionate about helping on as well. Mm. No, I'll, I'll make this even more focused, right? And this is what I'm experiencing at the moment. Okay. What if one day you have a little Nile and he shows a little bit of promise in the gym and you're like, oop, here we go. He, he could be that eight-year-old kid on the way to the Olympics. And you know what you know. What do you do? I think I just love him with all my freaking love that I could ever do. <laughs> and, and just... Just know that, you know, like when I was listening to you talk there, Fraser, I was, I was sort of thinking about myself and I I was obsessed and I am I am that guy. But I also, I also had a great, amazing family and a great group of people around me. And, and I can also like, I could step out of it. I had a social life, you know, there, there were some, there were some athletes that you maybe just described in there that was, and then I, and I've had experience, some of my teammates were like this, they were just complete hermits and they spent a hell of a lot of time on their own. I mean, now you can do that with 
everybody's got a mobile phone and you could just you can sit on your own and scroll TikTok for six hours or evening if you want to. I think um my family, my parents, my sister, we're incredibly close, we're incredibly social. We went on holidays every year. We did experiences together. I had a massive group of friends from school that I saw outside of school. And I had an amazing group of friends from the gym. And I think that was that was maybe, maybe a really important for me. And and I guess just relieved the pressure of just like, oh, my life is my, my sport. So I think if I had a, a young son or a daughter and they're, they said, Daddy, right, I want to do, I want to go to the Olympics and be a gymnast like you. I'd, I think I'd just be, uh, it's, a, it's a great question, this Luke. <laughs> <I'd>, <laughs> I think I'd encourage them to do whatever they wanted and I'd instill in them that, you know, hard work is, is that's going to get you somewhere and you can't achieve anything without in, incredibly hard, you know, working incredibly hard and try and keep the feet on the ground and just, just encourage them to try other things as well. You know, like not not have that be like everything, like their whole life. But it was everything for you. Yeah, but that's I guess it, it was. But I, what I'm trying to say is, it, it wasn't in it wasn't socially, and mm. and I was fortunate enough to have some amazing people that that kind of didn't let, let, allow me to get lost in in it and love me for other reasons, and and I could go and talk about. You know, like I, I wasn't, my, my only friends were gymnastics and that wasn't all we talked about. I could go and talk about girls. I could go and play footy with the lads or, mm-hmm. you know, go have a little golf game or, you know, just just other things that just wasn't, you know, so intensely on your sport. Mm-hmm. But I guess I'd, I'd try and tell them stories of what happened to me, maybe. I'd, I'd help try and help them learn about, not, not at such a young age, but just tell them what I didn't know when I was 16 and 17 and 18. Mm. And this is mm. what happened to me. And this, this could maybe happen to you. And self-awareness has sort of been the, the key for me and locking and being okay, you know, and knowing who mm. I am and what I should do and what my triggers are. And maybe if I've done three weeks of not tri- doing exercise and, you know, drinking and parties, I should, I should probably start going and lifting some weights and doing jujitsu and, and doing ice baths and, stopping you know this weekend I'll, I'll only have a few drinks on friday you know like i i can navigate my way through that's not just going to plummet me to the to rock bottom ever again i'm, I'm confidently say that i'm going to be all right you know and that's that feels good and empowering and I, and I could only have done that with people like you luke and knowledge and experience so i guess they're going to go on their own journey I'd try to get them to pick somewhere else than gymnastics, like golf. Or, <laughs> Just so you can play with them. Yeah. And there's more money. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, <laughs> the, what I think is so interesting in, the, in listening to you both talk, and it, this is something I've, re- I've thought lots and lots about, is that there's two things that we, that we talk about at the moment which are kind of straddled together, but I think might be the crux of what we're talking about. I think human beings love purpose. We we love to know what we're doing and why we're doing it. Otherwise, we're just wandering around the earth going, what are we doing here? So your thing of what do I put in my Insta bio or how do I introduce myself? Or it's one of the first things we talk about as human beings to each other, don't we? What do you do? What do I do? It's, I think humans love purpose. And I think part of an, uh, an identity crisis is same as someone retiring from work at 
65 years old, it's like, well, what do I do now? Am I just going to do the garden type thing? That can be a real struggle. But I wonder whether it's because it's about results. So what Nara was saying and, and Fraser was saying at the, at the start is like I was validated for my results. So what got built into me as a person was like, I do well, I, I, we win, I have a good game, I'm a good person. I do well in the competition, I'm a good person. And that's the difference. That's the bit that gets a bit askew because suddenly there is no results validation available for you to have as a person. So you might lose a purpose. You might now find another purpose. It's not like you've not had nothing to do since retiring from gymnastics, but it's that results thing that makes it, skews it in a, uh, I don't know, I was going to say unhealthy way. Maybe, you know, it's because it's always the outcome and not the process. What do you think about that, Fraser? Yeah, I I agree. And I do think that purpose can change and will change over the years. When you were talking there now about when Luke asked a question about, you know, if your future son got into it. And the first thing he said was, um, I just make sure he knew he was loved no matter what. It really mm. reminds me... Um, there's a, I say young player, he's about 24 now, but he's in the England squad tonight. He plays for AC Milan, he's called Fikayo Tamori. And I've got to know him and his family. He came through Chelsea's academy and actually interviewed his dad about his journey. And his dad, when they were going for a professional contract and a lot of the boys were getting let go and he was sort of 50-50, his dad got emotional and started crying when he when he was telling the story to me. But he said that he made sure his son knew 100% I will not love you any more or any less based on this decision whatever happens here you are loved and I've got you and just thinking about going all in he's he's gone all in he, you know he's a he's played for Chelsea in the Premier League he's now an England international place for AC Milan but he was very very academically driven family come from Nigeria real strong family values and a religious belief and I know he's someone that I don't think will at all have an identity crisis at the end of it. He's gone over to, been in Milan for the last couple of years. He's fluent in Italian now when he didn't know anything. And he's really just evolved. And I think I look back into his family and I could see that a lot of those, you know, indirectly, I was going into that decision thinking this is absolutely everything. And, you know, as we said before, I feel like I've let people down if I don't do this. And he had, I feel like he went into that with the complete freedom of, I know I've got, you know, these have got my back no matter what. They're not, you know, relying on me to be a professional footballer here or a professional athlete. They're going to love me for who I am. And just hearing him explain it really hit home for me. And then it just came up when you said that there now. So I do, I, I still toy with it. I still toy with it because I've got my own experiences of right all in, I'm the footballer. But then I have seen some really, really top athletes have a lot more balance than I had in my life. And they'll probably end up healthier out the back of it. But, you know, like you two talked about, I needed all these things to happen to me to learn the lessons that I've learned and I, I wouldn't change a thing. It's, it's been my journey. If you'd have told me at eight years old, this is how it's going to happen, I'd do exactly the same thing. And to have the, a beautiful thing about sport as well is <laughs> a beautiful thing and not so beautiful thing, but just the age, the age that you get this kind of understanding and wisdom. You know, now you're talking about being 25 you go into an office you're the young kid at 25 years old in the office 
but sport just ages you like like nothing else. If you're if you're in football and you're 30 years old, you're an old man. But take it out of that context, you're in a completely you know different different life. And that's where it is difficult as well because you achieve so much so young. Where a lot of other other jobs, you're sort of building up and building up and building up. Where in professional sport, you build up really quickly, but then there's an end to that. And then you've got to drop down and go again in terms of another career. So it's really complicated. And uh, I'm glad you plugged your book, Luke, because I've pre-ordered it. And uh, <laughs> I'm looking forward I'm looking forward to seeing what other people think of it, because I do think it's a, it's a fascinating topic to talk about. Yeah, there, there, there's what well, it's called the death of you. And it's because... I think uh, what we're talking about is essentially there's a death. There's a death, you know, Niall, the gymnast, it, 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 I, don't, I don't even feel comfortable using this phrase. I don't know why, but it kind of died. You know, it's like I, that who I was, it died and, and now yeah. I'm something else and I didn't, I'm not ready for that. That feels really difficult for me. I guess, Niall, you know, you're however many years on from retirement, two and a bit years and I, I obviously am a big part of your life and I know how much is going on for you in, in business stuff. And I still find it mind blowing with Nile Wilson Gymnastics, what we're building, but it's not my name on the things. It's your name, which I always think must be a real head fuck for you. It's like, that's literally my name on the mm-hmm. side of the building. I guess my question is, would you change anything? Would you change how you came out of the sport would you you know if you were talking to yourself back then is there it or is there anything you would have done differently that's a great question i i don't i don't think so luke you know it's it's a big old journey and in that two and a half years it's and as you know it's, it's certainly been a, a hell of a roller coaster but I, I think there's the overwhelming bit for me was was Certainly having freedom to be able to things like drinking alcohol, you know, I, I was extreme with it and particularly even when I was still an athlete. However, there was there was such a huge goal in front of me that out trumped every time having a drink because I wanted to to be the best. So, you know, I wanted, you know, the, the freedom of that was quite scary because I know what I can that I can be like and to to be honest I feel I've done all right <laughs> like I've I've maybe engaged in myself in activities that I that I know are unhealthy for me but I've I've tried to adopt this different mindset to exercise when you're an athlete exercise is not really talked about from a mental health perspective because that's your job and the stuff we're doing is, is completely extreme I've had to relearn how I want exercise to fit into my life and and still obviously realize how important that is. And for anyone that's struggling with their mental health, I think the recovery starts with exercise, if I'm honest. You've got to move your body because you feel better about yourself. It's like it's self self-esteem. So now I I don't have this huge goal of running 10 marathons in 10 days, but going for a 3K run three times a week and lifting some weights and doing jiu-jitsu and then playing golf and being outside like those things saved me mentally and stopped me from the other stuff because I felt good but I I, I wouldn't I don't feel like I'm I certainly nowhere near where I, I I envision myself the ideal Niall Wilson you know I'm super happy I'm fulfilled I'm 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 going after what I love I've got huge ambition and 
I've got great relationships and this is me. I'm, I'm still a hell of a long way from that. But I, recently I've just tried to adopt this process of, of stepping away from trying to feel happy and fulfilled. Like those two words are very fugazi, fugazi. It's like, I don't, it's a feeling in a sense, you know, like, you know, having a drink makes me feel happy or being happy is slightly different. And and what I've, what I've tried to do instead day to day is think of a different feeling such as pride. Like I want to be, I want to be proud of myself today. And that doesn't mean that I've, all this stuff with business is, is flying. It's like, do you know what? I've, I've got up, done a call. I've gone to the gym. I've bust my balls for an hour and a half. I've got in the ice bath, which I didn't want to do. I've sat on a podcast for an hour and a half and had a really good conversation. I'm quite proud of that. That's been like, do you know what I mean? That's been a good start to a Tuesday. And, and, and then what I'm, the character I'm like is everything else feeds from that. So I'll be so energized after this. And I'll think, oh yeah, now I can start thinking about taking over the world. <laughs> and, you know, and, and other times I'll let myself drift and I'll drink too much and I'm not having these conversations and I don't go to the gym in the morning because I'm tired and feel rubbish and I don't make my bed and I sit and watch some telly when I could have been working and then, so I guess I've sort of tried to stop figuring it out. That's, that's, that's what, and, and it seems to be working and just thinking, do you know what? I, I can work hard today. I certainly know how to do that and I, I will feel proud for it. So just, just shifting the dial a bit, but the answer is I, I won't change a thing. I still think I've got a hell of a long way to go. And it, and when I speak to, I was at a dinner on Friday night and spoke to a, an ex-athlete and they said, look, mate, I'm, I'm 25 years on and I still haven't figured it out. It's like, right, okay. I'll, that makes me feel a little bit better <laughs> and just trying to just just take it one day at a time and and do my best fellas thank you we're gonna have to wrap it up i'm afraid i hope people got lots from that could um identify in different ways just to give you an example of, of why I'm really proud of what we're doing on our on our podcast is our addiction uh, episode, which is out, has triggered quite a few people to message me privately on Instagram about what's going on for them. So they've listened to it and they've reached out. And I think that's amazing. And I really want this podcast to be like that. If there is, and we have had it from day one, if you listen to something and you're like, I really connect with that and I want to talk about it, Fraser and I are both available on, you know, come find us on social media or on our Understanding Men social media platforms. Reach out to us and we're going to get back to you because that's what this is all about. Niall, thank you so much. Thanks, guys. It's been a pleasure. Thanks so much for having me on. Great chat. Thanks for listening to the Understanding Men podcast. You can find us on all major social platforms, including Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, and TikTok. And of course, we will be promoting every episode via our own personal social media. So please come and find us. We want this podcast to be as interactive as possible, as I've already said. So please comment, message us, tell us what you want to talk about, and we will have the conversations that you want to have. Also, if you've liked what you've heard, then go ahead and hit the follow button so you never miss an episode. And lastly, if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, then please leave us a review and a five-star rating as it helps others find us. So thank you. Goodbye for now. Goodbye for now.